Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. I've got a lot to share today, so if you've got your Bibles, grab them and go to Psalms. We are going to hang out in uh, the book of Psalms today. Psalms is an easy book to find, and uh, um, go there, and and, uh, Psalms 38 is where we're going to start out. Seven words that can change your life. Haven't you loved this series? Okay, <laughs> three people said they love it. Y'all are kind of like, man, am I not doing good? I'm just, I'm just kidding. I didn't ask you that to tell me that I'm doing good. I, I'm asking you that because this has been a series that I've loved because it has really convicted me. It's been a, a series that has been so convicting to me because it, it's really touched some nerves in my own life and some areas that I've struggled with. And, you know, the first weekend we started with the word no. And the word no is a powerful word. And, um, you know, when you think about the word no, as small as it is and as simple as the word no it is, is, it has the power to change the complete trajectory of your life. And most of us, what happens in our life is that when we start getting older, we start realizing people like us a lot more if we say yes. And so we don't say no to, to things that we know that, that, you know what, maybe they're good things, but they're not the best things. They're not the great things that we need to be spending our time in. And, and it led us to the second weekend where we talked about the word yes and the power of being able to say yes to the important things and the great things in life. And you can't say yes to the things that God has for you if you're not willing to say no to a lot of things that our culture tells us that are normal, that our culture tells us that are a part of, of just being a, a normal person in our culture. You have to be willing to say no to say yes, which, uh, again, these are small words. They're simple words, but they have the power to change your life. And it takes us this weekend to the word today that I think is, is probably a, 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 one of the hardest words that we're going to talk about um, over the next several weeks that, of these different seven words. And it is, it is a word that it is difficult for us to deal with that word because it strikes at the core of our pride. The word we're going to talk about is sorry. I want everybody to turn to the person next to you and say, sorry. I just helped a lot of y'all out. Because I bet that, I don't know what it is, but isn't it true that a lot of times on your way to church, you could be going anywhere. You could be going to Golden Corral. I don't, I don't know where you're going. Chachas, anywhere. I don't know where Golden Corral came from, but anyways. It's a good place. But when you go to church, it just seems like you get in fights. And I, I like on the way to church, that's my wife laughing. Uh, <laughs> like you're heading to church, you're going to get in arguments. So I just set you up by you being able to tell your neighbor or your spouse, sorry. The word sorry, it is, it's a difficult word for us to use. And, you know, it's, it's really just a simple word, but I think that it's, it's, a word that people find amazing reasons to avoid it. And there's some of us here this morning that 
you haven't said that little word in years. Sorry. You know, now being married 27 years, um, I've had to say sorry a lot. How many men in here know that, like, men have a way of messing things up sometimes? We, we mean well. We have good hearts. But we can do some, like, knucklehead things. And I, I was thinking about some of the stuff that I've done that I've had to say sorry. Um, I remember a few years ago, um, you know, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever had a kidney stone? I've never had one, but I've heard it's one of the most painful things that you can go through. My wife, a couple years ago, started having problems with kidney stones, and this was at the beginning stages. I did, in my defense, I didn't really understand the, the pain of kidney stones. And my wife and I are eating uh, lunch with this, this lady that's my wife's friend, and they were talking, and I was like bored out of my gourd. I know I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to act interested, but I was like, this is girl talk and I don't want to be involved in the girl talk. I'm ready to go and I'm thinking like, I'm ADD, whatever you want to call it. I'm always looking for something else to go do. My wife leans over to me and she says, I'm really starting to hurt my back and I think it might be my kidney stones. And I'm like, well, as soon as we get done with lunch and you get done talking, we'll run and, and like go home or whatever, and she's like really telling me it's starting to really hurt. And I'm like kind of half listening to her, and I'm like, babe, you guys finish talking and finish eating. I'm going to run across the street and wash my car. (laughs) Every man in here knows it's important to have a clean car. you got to have a clean car. I went over there to wash my car, and I knew I was in trouble when I was sitting in there, and they were drying it, and I looked through the the window of my car, the windshield, and I could see my wife walking across the street like this. Some of y'all hate me as your pastor now. You're like, that's it. We're quit. Creekwood. My wife ended up in the hospital later that day, had to have surgery, all this stuff. It was bad. How many of you know I had to say that word? Sorry. Sorry. And it brings me to this statement today that I believe that is is one of the most powerful things that you can, can write down today as a takeaway this morning is that your relational success is dependent upon your ability to give and receive forgiveness. Your relational success in your life People that are successful in life are people that have learned how to give and receive forgiveness. Do you know it's the difference? It's the difference maker, the word sorry. It is the difference maker between a cold and distant marriage and one that is warm and intimate. It's oftentimes, it's just sorry. It's the difference between a close relationship with your kids or with your parents or one that is distant and cold. It's the word sorry. There's so many things that you think about, whether it's at your your work or home or school. The people that are successful in life are the people that have learned to say the word sorry. And I believe that it is, it is a, a, 
an area in our life that we struggle with. And I don't know what person in your life or what people in your life, maybe it's your in-laws, maybe it's, it's some, a, a, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker. But my guess is that if you've got conflict with them, my guess is that one or two individuals in this whole scenario refuse to say the word sorry. Why is it so hard for us to say those words, that word? I mean, it's a tiny word, just sorry. It's only six letters, yet we struggle with it. For a lot of us to say the word sorry, it's like choking down cough medicine. We know it's good for us, but it tastes nasty. We don't want to do it. I mean, think about, isn't it true that our pride gets so tangled up in our life and that, that I don't care what age you are, it's so easy to, for instance, when let's say you uh, know you've messed up, to come up with all kinds of excuses. I know most of you don't do this, but this happens to me sometimes. And my wife says, man, you're getting a little agitated or a little bit upset about, about this issue. And I'm like, well, you, my, my flesh wants to say, well, you get upset too. <laughs> well, you got, you, like, you get agitated. And then I'm like, I'm just waiting around all evening for her to get upset so I can pounce and say, see, you do it too. I don't know none of y'all do that. I'm just the one that struggles with that. We don't like to be called out. We don't like to, to just admit and break down and say, you know what? This is an area of my life. It is, it is, it is an area that is sabotaging my life, it, 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 whether it's your anger, what, whatever it is in your life, that refuses in your own soul, in your own life, to bring you to this place of saying, I'm sorry. You know, in the Bible, there's this story about a man named King David. The Old Testament tells of this, this man, and I don't know if you've ever heard of David. David is the guy that killed Goliath. He was a king that he had a lot of ups and downs in his life, and you may not be aware of this fact, but do you know that he's the only man, the only person the Bible says that he is a man after God's own heart. David, King David, is the only person that the Bible tells us that he is actually a man after God's own heart. What's interesting to me when you think about that statement is that David committed adultery. David then tried to cover up his sin. He had this woman's husband murdered. How can he be, and how can he still be called by the Bible, a man after God's own heart? He committed adultery. He committed murder. He committed, he did all of this evil stuff. See, he's a man after God's own heart, not because he's perfect, but he's willing to say, I'm sorry. He's willing to apologize. He's willing to confess. Psalms 38, 18 says, but I confess my sins. I am deeply sorry for what I have done. 
See, David could have, again, he could have blamed a lot of people. He could have gotten defensive. Instead, he confesses his sin. He takes responsibility for what he has done, and he expresses how deeply sorry he is. In fact, David, again, has so much to say about apologizing and confessing and saying, I'm sorry, that in Psalms 51, if you want to turn over to Psalms 51, um, I really believe that as, as, as we kind of unpack Psalm 51 this morning, because I want to show you in detail some things that there are three parts that he shows us that are a, a part of us learning how to give a sincere apology. There's three parts that you can see in Psalms 51, and we're going to look at that, and I want want to just give you some real practical things when it comes to to the word sorry. And I know some of you are kind of going, why did I get up at 9 o'clock and come down here? Maybe you got up a little earlier. But why did I show up at 9.30 service to show up this morning, and all we're going to talk about is how to give a sincere apology. How can that change my life? And uh, again, it's, it's, it's very easy to kind of just believe that, that, that apologizing or saying I'm sorry is, is not powerful in your life. But it could be that, listen to me, that word is what God is going to use to restore a relationship in your life. It could be that, the, the, that you apologizing, that you saying I'm sorry, it is what is going to release you from the guilt in your life. So let's, let's get into this. There's three parts to an apology, a sincere apology. Number one, you have to acknowledge that you were wrong. You have to acknowledge that you were wrong. Again, David could have blamed and gotten defensive. David could have said, God, have you seen Saul? Saul, have you seen what all Saul has done? And I mean, this guy has, has done way worse than me. But what, what David does is that he doesn't make excuses. He recognizes, he acknowledges that he's wrong. In Psalms 51.3, he says, For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. It's really a chilling statement when you look at this. He says, I recognize my, my rebellion. It haunts me. And I don't know what it is that haunts you in your life when you think about your past and things that maybe you've done. For some of you, maybe what haunts you is that DUI. Or maybe what haunts you in your life is that the words that you said to somebody that you love, it haunts you. I was thinking about what, what, how this applies to my own personal life, and I automatically was, was thinking about some of the words that I said to my own mom. And I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you this. I'm really honestly ashamed of this. But when I was in junior high, I, I just, man, I was, I, I was a, a nightmare, okay? I was a, a mouthy little kid that was always mouthing off to my mom, and, and my mom wouldn't let me get away with it. My mom continually confronted me. I really believe I'm the man that I am today because of my mom confronting me about it. My mom fought me on my attitude. But I went through a season in my life that I, I would yell out at my mom, I hate you. I, I hate your guts. 
I'd walk out mad out of the house and like we'd get in this big old argument and I'd yell back at my mom. I'm like, I hate you. And I wish I could go. I never really had a conversation with my mom, even as an adult, to tell her I was sorry for saying that. To be honest with you, I kind of pushed it out of my mind. And, you know, I don't know, like, isn't it easy as you get older, you just kind of try to selectively forget things. And life has a way of bringing things back up in your life of your past. And my mom passed away a few years ago. I can't go have that conversation with my mom. I can't sit down and say I'm sorry. It haunts me. I can think of so many other things that, we, that affect all of us that possibly are, it haunts you. And day and night, and this is what David says in verse 4, against you, he's speaking to God, he says, against you and you alone I have sinned, I have done what is evil in your sight. In other words, he, he acknowledges, he recognizes that he was wrong. And isn't it true that, again, this is so hard for us to see ourselves with the truth and really acknowledge that we struggle in this? And uh, a lot of studies have been done with this, even among the, the smartest people that, you know, like college professors that teach in college, uh, they've done a lot of studies among them and even w- among college pr- professors that they struggle with really being in denial also. And one of the studies shows that, that they, when they did a study about college professors that only 2% of them believed that they were below average educators. Only 2%. I went to college. I had plenty of professors that were below average. And I'm not knocking college professors. My wife is one. She teaches in a college. I, I'm not knocking y'all. But it's true that even the smartest people sometimes can be in, in denial. It, it says that, that actually 63% of them said that they were above average. And the other 25% said that they were truly exceptional professors. But only 2% believed that they were below. Isn't it true that we also do this with our driving? <laughs> That most of us believe we are exceptional drivers. And I've seen how some of y'all drive. You've seen how I drive. My wife is always like, you're making me a nervous wreck. You got your, I'm supposed to be wearing glasses when I drive and like, y'all don't tell anybody, but I forget a lot of times. So it gets a little dicey when it's raining for me. And I'm kind of struggling when it's dark, but I got this. <laughs> My wife's like tearing up our car, trying to find her glasses like, babe, you're going to like kill us. But I'm a good driver. <laughs> I got this. And you know what? Most of us don't want to recognize this. We don't want to acknowledge that we're wrong. We don't want to acknowledge this This. And again, we're, we are aware of what other people's sins are. We're aware of what other people, and I know some of you are listening to me talk about saying sorry, and you're automatically, you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about everybody else that needs to say sorry. And you're wish, wishing, man, I wish they were here today. Because <laughs> they need this word. 
you're going to be calling all your family members. You need, you got, don't tell them what it's about. Just say, you need to listen to that podcast now. It was good. Psalms, Psalms 19, 12 says, who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Again, David says, I don't even trust myself when it comes to the truth about me. And again, this is, this is where it gets tricky in most of us is that we don't see ourselves with maybe, maybe anger issues. We don't see ourselves with that, you know what, the tone we use with people, it's offensive. We don't see ourselves as being obnoxious. We don't see ourselves as being selfish, self-centered, narcissistic. We don't see ourselves as struggling with maybe an addiction in our life. We're like, I got this. And what happens is that as long as you're not willing to acknowledge that you struggle in a certain area, you'll never say sorry. You won't. And the first step to a sincere apology is that you've got to get to a place that you say, I acknowledge that I'm wrong. Psalms 32, 1 says this, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. I love that phrase, complete honesty. Where you live with complete honesty, this honesty about yourself, you're, you're, you're like, you know what, there's no excuses. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and groaned all day long. Finally, I confessed all of my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. So, again, just having the courage to acknowledge you're wrong. Maybe... One of the most dangerous prayers you could pray this morning is to say, God, would you show me the truth about me? Would you just reveal to me and show me what it is that... Because there's a lot at stake. You know that your marriage, your relationship with your kids, there's a lot at stake with you seeing yourself in the light of truly who you are. That's the only way you can begin to take the first steps towards sincere apologies and sincere sorry. Number two, you have to ask for forgiveness. So number one, acknowledge you're wrong. Number two, you've got to ask for forgiveness. Psalms 51.9 says, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. In other words, what he's saying when he says this, remove the stain of my guilt, he's saying, Will you forgive me? Will you, will you forgive me? Do you know that what's powerful about David's apology and his confession and him saying sorry is that there's no but attached to it. There's no buts attached to it. And I, I want to just say this to you today that do you know that I'm sorry but is not an apology? Um, I'm sorry, but I just got sick, or I'm sorry that I did that. I was hungry. 
How many of you know people that, like, they change personalities when they're hungry? My wife does. I'm just kidding. It's a cone trait, my wife's family. If they're hungry, they're going to be grumpy. Uh, it's not an apology. It's justification when you say, I'm sorry, but this or that. Um, again, I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm sorry for what I said, but here's the reason. Listen, it's not, a, it's not an apology. It's a defense. You're not apologizing. You're justifying what you did, or you're, you're giving a defense. You're being defensive about it. And I just want to challenge you, don't mess up an apology by adding an excuse to it. Just be willing to say, would, will you forgive me and leave the butt out? I, I want to illustrate this because it is such an important, important principle to your life that you leave the butt out of your sorry. Because some of us are are notorious for apologizing, but there's always a but added on to it. And I want to show you this, this, um, y'all forgive my, I mean, uh, y'all are going to love my artwork here. Um, it's nothing like having a count in front of everybody, huh? It's like, um, this, this, little chart here, this little graph here that, I, that I'm putting on this board is basically what I'm wanting to use to illustrate your anger and your energy level that happens in your relationships. Um, the, the, there are certain things that you say that escalate the energy and the anger level in your relationship and with people around you. For example, let me give you this, this like scenario. Let's just say you by accident erase all of your wife's Hallmark movies. <laughs> Hypothetically thinking that that happens. Your wife finds out you get busted. There, she's looking for them. She can't find them. She comes to you and says, did you erase all of my Hallmark movies? And you say, yes. And she says, you always do this, and I, like, why can't you just leave my stuff alone? What's happened is the energy and the anger is escalated to here, to about a three. My wife says a little bit higher. <laughs> I touched the nerve right there. Um, it comes up to about a three, and men, you have a choice in the way that you answer. If you answer in this way, and you say, well, I'm sorry, but, like, you don't even erase them after you watch them. And it's taken up good memory from our DVR. <laughs> it's taken up all the space. Have you seen the percentage of the space on our thing? I had to do intervention on you. It's gone up another three or four notches. The inner, my wife keeps saying I. Uh, the energy level has gone up. But do you know that if here at the three, instead of you adding a but to your sorry, you would have just said, I am sorry, I apologize, and left it like that, it comes back down to zero. Now, ladies, if, if when, you were, when we were up here at, at a six, if you also... You have a choice also. If you, if you respond and you said, 
you know what? Like, I'll show you. Like, you, you're like, you, you want to erase my Hallmark movies? I'll, I'll get on there and I'll erase all your sports stuff. You've just crossed over the line. That's a sacred line. It's gone all the way up to 10. Like, there's probably not a number if you erase all the sports. But if you responded in such a way that you said, I accept your apology and, and please don't do it anymore, what is it doing? It just, it, it comes back down to zero. It's just basically just saying, I'm sorry. Isn't it hard to just say, I'm sorry? And leave all the excuses and leave all the buts out? And leave everything else you want to add on to it? Just ask for forgiveness. Just leave it right there. Be willing to just own up and just say, you know what, man, I acknowledge that I'm wrong. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. I'm not making excuses. I'm not going to try to explain it away or anything like that. It's, it's a powerful thing if you just say, I'm sorry. The last area, number three, is we need to trust that God will forgive you. Trust that God will forgive you. Psalms 51, 17 says this, The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. This is a powerful promise that God gives us, that God will not reject a broken and repentant heart. God won't reject us when we come to God and we truly are broken and repentant. Um, you know, there's a big difference, again, um, when you talk about um, confessing and repenting and telling God we're sorry. And um, There's a big difference when you get to a place that you say, you know what, God, I, I genuinely, I'm, I'm broken in my heart. I want to change. Um, God, I, I come before you with all sincerity to say, God, would you truly forgive me? And just saying, God, my bad, I'm sorry, and you keep on doing it, and you know you're going to keep on doing it. And again, I think it's a dangerous prayer to say, God, would you break me? Would you bring me to a place of brokenness and sincerity and honesty with you? You know what, a lot of us here today, uh, when you talk about forgiveness and receiving forgiveness, there's a lot of people here in this room right now that maybe you're here today and you are like, you know what, there's so many things that haunt me in my life that um, uh, I, I, I can't, I've asked for forgiveness from God, I've confessed it, I've, I've, I've told him I'm sorry, but I can't forgive myself. And uh, man, I, if I told you how many people I've met through the years that can't forgive themselves, it's a big struggle for a lot of us. And the church has come up with, through the years, lots of ways to help people feel like they, they can forgive themselves. Some of you went to retreats or camps where the speakers told you you need to ride on a balloon, your sin, and then let go of that balloon, and that's how you're going to let go of your sin. Or maybe you went to a camp that they told you to ride it on a rock and go stand in front of the river and throw the rock of your sin into the river, and you did all those things, you still don't feel like you can forgive yourself. And I want to say this to you today, and this is something that, that is hard to say, but do you know that you can't forgive yourself? As hard as you try to forgive yourself, you will never be able to forgive yourself. 
If you could forgive yourself, Jesus didn't need to get on the cross. This isn't about positive thinking. This isn't about you, you thinking that, well, you know what? I just got to motivate myself to put it out of my This is about you receiving his forgiveness. When I find somebody that doesn't feel like they can forgive themselves, is what I automatically go to is that this person is not walking truly in the forgiveness that God gives them. You embracing the forgiveness, you embracing that from God is important. This isn't about you forgiving yourself. This is about you allowing yourself to walk in the forgiveness that God gives you. God is the one that forgives us. God is the one that helps us to walk in freedom through his grace. But it requires an honesty. It it requires a brokenness of going before God to say, God, would you forgive me? You know, one of the most powerful things in your life is to bring in your, sincere, in your apology and, and when you say I'm sorry is to really be sincere and honest. Some of us, listen, we are kind of forced to, to say I'm sorry and apologize. And you can tell a fake apology real quick, can't you? You can tell when somebody's being fake. Listen, parents, you know, one of the most powerful things you can do for your kids is to apologize to them sometimes. I know a lot of us weren't brought up that way. You you were brought up to believe that you never apologize to your kids. You never say sorry to your kids. You just kind of like act like it didn't happen or whatever. But do you know that, again, this is so powerful in your kids' lives because if you will start, if you will start when you mess up and you have moments, there are going to be moments you're not perfect. There are going to be moments where you're going to have to say and look your, maybe your little five-year-old, six-year-old and say, mommy or daddy, I apologize to you for the way that I, I, I said that to you. I apologize to you for those words that I used. Why is that so important? The reason why it's important is that as they get older and when they get in middle school, they're going to start realizing they're not perfect. They're going to start realizing all of their imperfections in their life and them being able to go back and say, you know what, I realize my mom and dad are not perfect people. And they walked with an honesty and sincerity. And that you talk about teaching your kids humility and character. It's when you're willing to have humility and be honest and sincere about your life. Because listen to me, when they get in junior high and high school, they can automatically start seeing a hypocrite in you immediately. And it's tough, but it's one of the most powerful things that you can do. Again, I, I don't know who it is that you need to say I'm sorry to. Maybe it's a, it's a boyfriend, a girlfriend that you need to say I'm sorry to because you can say I'm sorry I've been self-centered or sorry that I... I uh, I've been so insecure. Uh, maybe it's a coworker that you need to just say, man, I'm sorry. I crossed the line in the way I talked to you. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your in-laws. Maybe it's your own parents that you just need to acknowledge you're wrong. Ask for forgiveness, understanding that, you know what, God has forgiven you so you receive that and that, that brokenness, that, that, that humility, that, that sincerity. You walk in that. And it's a powerful thing when you can bring yourself to that place that you say, I'm sorry. I want to pray for you this morning, and I'd like to ask you to bow your heads.
You know, one of the most power, one of the most powerful things you could do today is to say, I'm sorry to God. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. That small word can change your life. It can change your relationship with God. It can change your relationship with people. But right there at your seat, you can ask God to come into your life and to forgive you of all of your sins. Just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the life that I've lived. I've lived a life of sin. I'm a sinner, and I receive your forgiveness today. Father, I thank you for every person here today, God. I pray that, God, you would continually speak into us, God. God, may we walk in humility. May we be people that are willing to apologize. Father, may we walk in the sincerity of God acknowledging our sins, acknowledging the areas that we struggle with, God, acknowledging when we're wrong. May we be people that are quick to apologize. Father, we thank you for this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.